0: My name is Danny and I play in a band called Output 111 Cold Waves of Comfort was the name of an album that I had worked on for the past three or four years.
1: What do you think? Uh, you know, lots of, you know, synthesizers and uh, crazy noises and this shit's out of my death, man. <laughs> like I I, <laughs> I talk about butt rock and like uh weird alt rock dudes in the nineties and uh, occasionally mm-hmm. like pitchfork core bands, but I'm I'm out of my death here. I, I need I need a I need a hand, I need a savior, I need a lifeguard. Uh <laughs> 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 this is this is this is all this is much t- too much for me but i i'm i i'm glad i have you guys here to help me
0: what uh was it overwhelming or just, just like a genre a, like a genre you're not particularly used to uh,
1: yeah because i mean i listen to like some ambient but compared to like some of the other members of the indie heads podcast i'm definitely like the least versed in it okay like i there there's a channel in our in our discord server that's just dedicated to electronic music and it's just like there's so many bands and like artists are just like i'd have i i've never heard of this like I've been to like I'm just not super involved in like the electronic ambiency and just like whatever. Usually the stuff that like it's the crossover stuff that I'll check out, like where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, people in the indie, you know, indie heads is like paying attention to being like, oh, you should check this out. Something like, you know, Won't Tricks point never, uh, Tim Hecker, more of the, the bigger name artists that have crossed over rather than like more smaller stuff. Although, I mean, I've got tons of friends like my friend Ted Davis, he runs the ambient column on on Bandcamp. So it's just like I I'm definitely like familiar enough with some of these names and familiar with, with sort of the sounds, but it's definitely not music that i usually go to i'm definitely going blind so i'm definitely like interested to hear the process of like how because i'm you know the, the track you guys sent me over like the process of how you guys make this because that's that's the really thing about ambient music that i'm always like very interested in it's just sort of the like i kind of get how someone writes a pop song i get like okay like you listen to pop music all your life and you pick up on certain things or even like a rock song it's like okay but ambient is definitely one of those things where it's just like i the reference points for how this like how you go from this in your head to how it comes out is always like that I don't understand as much, and I'm definitely like, interested to hear your guys' process and, like, how you guys make your music and stuff because it's definitely, like it, – it, it's it's all, like, a blur for me where it's just, like, I just don't understand how <laughs> – how, how like, I think there's a great quote – there's, like, a Tim Hecker interview from, like, 2011, 2012, or, like, a profile where, like, like he had, like, a session music come in and, and do something, and then, like, you know, Tim takes it and, like, fucks it, just completely – Tim heckerfies the sound where it's it's not even familiar, like it's not even close to like what you played in the first place. So like I'm definitely interested to see to hear your guys' perspective on like how this all kind of comes about in your head and like how it goes from your head to like a finished product.
0: So these were actually written as individual songs. The first one is a remix of um a song that was the focus of our second episode in the main season. It's a song called Living Lights. That song I had heard after, like, taking a step away from it. I had heard the beat, and I thought it would be quite interesting to have something isolated instead of taking what what a verse, uh, chorus structure that exists in the original song, um, to just take the rep- the repetitive element into uh, out of it and turn it into more a chant that kind of builds into the hellish textures of, uh, of what's going on. It sounds like synths, but it's actually warped bass lines that one is one that i played on entirely and the second one is one that our drummer victor wrote called a, yeah. uh, uh it was originally called uh rip tony it was a tribute to tony allen yeah he just passed away and vic wrote the song that was remarkably more f- more funky than what we were working on and what we were playing hmm. together it had a um yeah like had afrobeat beat yeah, uh, yeah, back- yeah background and vibe um and it was a very difficult song to write lyrics to for me um gene who normally like when we were at that time you were playing bass you wrote a guitar line uh over tony that i think was yeah. like yeah like you used you used that was very effects bass right do you remember anything about that yeah it was basically
2: all just kind of swells mm. based on a few chords and then put through just my nightmares and uh kind of what maddie was saying about like just fucking it like you can you can take the, the root piece and move it towards a very structured verse, chorus, verse. Mm-hmm. And we could have turned it into a straightforward rock song, but instead just kind of go the opposite way and uh, throw caution to the wind
0: a little bit. Yeah. So like in the middle of the song, it kind of rises up, and the beat just sounds like rhythmic noise that was something that I was um, throwing under everything I was working on in that exact moment. Because I just, I think I may, may have been listening to double negative a lot at the time that, that low mm. record.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. Double negative. I, I've got like again there's like, it's kind of funny that you asked me to be on, Just because, like, in terms of, like, the reference points, it's just, like, there's so many people on the podcast that are, like, much better at those reference points. Because, like, I'm not the biggest low fan, but, like, tons of people on the podcast are big low fans, especially Double Negative. Although, uh, the final track of that album is, like, fucking incredible. Like, I love that song so much. And the new one is like eh, new one didn't really speak to me too much, and also like uh, it's it, from two perspectives. Like one, just like as a music listener, it just wasn't that big of a fan. I'm just like eh, it's just not for me. And also like I, I work in college radio promotion, and mm-hmm. uh, that low record last year was like number one for like multiple weeks, like being out a record that we were working at the time. And I'm like, how is this number one at college radio? This is not a college radio record. <laughs> like who wants to listen to low on the radio? Like come on, like you want to listen to low and not. Uh, I think we were working Waves at the time. It's like you, you want you want to listen to this very like dreary kind of ambient esque uh, slowcore versus like uh, fun summery indie rock. Although I should say for the record, I don't like Waves at all. I think his music sucks ass. But <laughs> at the time we were working it, so I have to pretend <laughs> to like it. Um,
0: I'm actually yeah, I'm actually with you on that. Like I, other than Double Negative, I never really got into Low.
1: Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean slow co- yeah, because I think like slowcore feels like somewhat of the like middle point between like you know the like ambient music and sort of like uh indie rock it feels like this kind of weird combination of the two where it can be very easy to to do wrong in some ways where it feels like you have to be very like locked in mm-hmm. otherwise there's a chance that like you're going to go either too far in either direction or just in in this weird gray zone where like nothing works cuz i cuz it's like i i've got like my friend Jackie who's on the podcast she's a big slowcore fan has like whole playlist dedicated to it just has like completely forbidden knowledge of all these slowcore bands so I'm just like I don't how do you store all this in your head like <laughs> like how is this all in your head and like you're able to like articulate it and have all these reference points where someone's like hey I want to get in the slowcore hey here's like 30 bands to check out it's just like I can't even do I can't even do that for, like, the genres that I like <laughs> these days. But, yeah, I mean, listening listening to the track, you know, I, I definitely like the, the way the vocals are used, where I think uh, over the years, I, I, I think at a certain point with, like, me and lyrics, there was a certain point where I was, like, really focused in on lyrics and really, like, paid attention to them and was like, all right. But I think at this point, I kind of just give myself up to the feeling of music. Like, one of my favorite records um in 2017 i believe was a arcus self titled record which is entirely in spanish and of course i don't i don't speak spanish i don't really understand much of it but the emotion of the words just just i'm like okay i don't know what they're saying but i understand how they're feeling completely and this track that you guys sent me over the track that you guys made it really kind of has that feeling where it just sort of like the the way the vocal melody works behind all sort of the like kind of like kind of metallic clanging noises and sort of like little bits of like what sound like kind of like almost like radio static like switching between like channels just this indescribable feeling of like sort of nostalgia in the past where you, you can't quite describe those feelings just it just transports you back into a place in your life that you never really expect to go back to at any point and i think like that's one of the more powerful things about ambient music is that it really is it's able to kind of put you in places without words or very, very little words, just melodies and little bits and pieces where you're just like, okay, like, I can't totally describe how I'm feeling about this, but just it's making me feel something that is very powerful and is almost indescribable. It's just you kind of have to experience it for yourself to really, to really know. I just want to say that
0: like, but that was one of the more moving and like beautifully phrased descriptions of our music. Um, (laughs) So thank you for that, Maddie. Thank you. Really appreciate that. You're welcome. I get what you're saying about lyrics. Like I I think it's a pitchfork thing that kind of like encouraged a fondness for lyrics that were regal or like had a literary component there was something actually something that Jackie said on the, the episode I was listening to. Um, it was actually about Annie Clark. And I think Annie Clark had a lot of that sort of attention to their lyrics in addition to their guitar stuff. Mm -hmm. um in saint vincent the national hat too but like yeah there's a there's uh jackie used the phrase high on the critical fumes yeah
1: which i i think it's it's something we've sort of like kind of discussed over the years and i think it's kind of become a bit more as as i've like gotten i mean i'm 25 right now and i've been sort of like a part of the greater kind of music industry writer apparatus for for you know just paying attention to blogs and, and and websites and reviews and stuff like that and I think over the years, as I've kind of grown, grown into my own type of musical taste. Before, where it's just sort of like, you know, being like in high school or like early college on the internet, and just like just so much time to consume a ton of music, where you're just like, all right, people are saying this is good. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. And then, eventually, over time, you kind of figure out, okay, this is what my music taste is. This is what I like the most, and this is what I'm gonna seek after the most. And I think there's definitely a couple records every year where it's like critics go crazy for it, and I'm just like, I what like this is this is not very good i don't there's sometimes where it's like okay like i understand why critics are into this it's just not for me but there's definitely a couple cases where records were just like okay no 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 like this is a case where like Either you guys are just hyping up an artist where it's just like, oh, here's this artist that we hyped up. Here's their like long-awaited follow-up. We have to give it good reviews. And, you know, we kinda of have to force ourselves to like it because if we don't like it, oh God, like what's gonna happen if, you know, Matt or Records reads this review and goes, Okay, yeah, you guys are not gonna get like any advances anymore. Like, no, no advertising, none of this stuff. Like, you don't have access to our artists for interviews and and things like that. And and I, and I think that's not, obviously, that's not totally it. I think it's definitely a case where it's like, hey, there's just people who like this music or like more into it than I am. But there's definitely cases where critics are really kind of trying to put, okay, like this is going to be our new guy. And I think definitely like early 2010s pitchfork, this is them where they, they are the most high on their own supply, where it's just like, we have the ability to break bands and we are going to do just keep going. And here's the thing a lot of the bands they broke in the early 2010s they were right about there. these were bands that ended up becoming really big and really huge and went on to be very influential in the scene but there's definitely a couple of cases where you know they they put they put their money towards towards a band or toward artists that just didn't really pay off and you know they they try and they tried like i think um there's a couple of bands that had like best new music streaks like ice age i said band is a good band like they're they're fine but they're a band where it's just they they kept getting best new musics like for every album and it's just like they're not really taking off guys like they they're not taking off like you want them to um or there's a band where it's like they kind of had a period where they really took off and then for better or worse just kind of faltered from there like deer hunter was one of those bands where it really seemed like they were kind of reaching a point and then like they just kind of started tanking their own career in some ways and you know as of right now you know they're 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 relatively elder statesmen in the indie rock but their their influence is definitely a lot lesser than you would expect it to be considering the amount of praise they received in like the early 2010s
0: going into that um series the best new music series what was your view of pitchfork doing like i I think you kind of touched on it a little bit but like what was your view yeah. going in
1: um so going in um i i, I would not describe myself as like a full blown defender of like current pitchfork but i think they get a lot of shit that isn't deserved um, I, I especially from the indie heads community on Reddit where they are very quick to shit on pitchfork. And it's like God, they're not I think like there's definitely editorial decisions that I don't agree with or stuff where it's like I really wish they would go more out there. Like I think uh last year was really brutal because last year um they just did not give out like that many bestie musics to to albums. I think they usually do like a top fifty every year. I don't think they gave out fifty bestie music that year. There's records where they had an easy opportunity to go okay, we're going to like really hype this up, give it bestie music and go from there. But they would go, "Uh, we're going to actually just give it like an 8.0 and just stop from there like a low, like a high 7." And it's like, like, guys, you guys got to go all out. And it really seemed like there was a certain period, I think like in 2020 when that Fiona Apple record came out and they gave it a 10, their first 10 in like, you know, 11 years. And it was like Oh my God, like they're actually gonna start giving like these really high reviews. And they, they, they have been doing that where they give like these occasional like really high scores. And it seemed like, oh, they're actually gonna like really go out there and really uh, press on some records, and be like, these are great records. Like, but I think for better or worse, because I I, I think they have a very like strong editorial team that is very afraid to kind of go really out there for a record. I think it's just in some ways it's too, it's like very diverse. In other ways, it's just sort of, like, I don't want to say, like, cowardly, but it's hard not to call it cowardly when they don't give stuff. Like, they kind of go, ah, oh, this is, like, an 8.5, and then we we go from there. Um, so th- th- in some of those, I wish they would actually be more more positive about stuff and be, like, really going out there being like, okay, look, we're going to give this, like, our big stamp of approval. And I, and I think that kind of goes both ways, too, where, like, um, Muna, this band on Phoebe Bridger's label – They got like a 7.8, and they were kind of mad about that on Twitter. They are like, oh, this is a good review, but only 7.8? I don't know about that. And, of course, their fans, their stands on Twitter are like, oh, it should be over an 8. I think we kind of saw that, too, with Taylor Swift back in 2020 with with her two records. Um, And it's also just like, I I get why these stands are like, oh, only a 7.8? That's ridiculous. And it's just... But but me who's someone who's like very tuned into pitchfork and kind of understands their rating system like their rating system works on a different scale than like my rating system or like Anthony Fantano's rating system or uh like Consequence of sound where it's just like uh they are like like, like seven point eight for them is like a for for like a Fantano that's like probably like a like a, like an eight that, that that's a yellow flannel right there like that's a that's a record where it's like hey we really like this record we want you to check it out especially for the stuff that's like 8.0 and above um but like if something gets like a like a, like a like a like a like a high six that's like you know this is this is good but there's some stuff where it's like eh, it doesn't always work all the way but there's some really good stuff here it's like okay but when they go like a low six like a 6.0 6.1 6.2 like oh this is like a soft pan even though like a six is you like oh that's like a passing score But Pitchfork doesn't use, like, they don't use the full scale as much as I would like them to. Like, I really would like them but both in, like, I would like them to really go harder for some records, but also go lower for some records, too, where it's just like, hey, it's clear you guys don't like this. Fucking go for it. Like, just go go ham. Like, who cares if you mess up your relationship with, like, Matador or, uh, like, Sal, or whatever. It's like, if you don't like a record, tell me you don't like the record. Tell me you don't like it from the score. Tell me you don't like it from the reviews. Like it's this weird case where pitchfork is in this weird like gray area right now where they can't get too positive about things but also unless it's like a big name artist they also can't get too negative either because i think you know in some ways like that early pitchfork has kind of affected them where you know they would they would give out zero you know zeros and ones and twos like willy-nilly to like smaller artists i mean they gave uh i think uh travestan uh the guy from um this playing like his soul record, they gave that a 0.0 and it like like it ruined his career. And but I, I think pitchfork now is this weird place where it's like, I don't think they're as influential now as they think they are. And I really kind of wish they would kind of go back to the old pitchfork. Not in like the 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 ways where they would give like a really racist review to like John Coltrane or something, but in terms of the snarkiness and being like, hey, like we're gonna just go full hog and go, hey, if we like this record hey we're gonna go go high for it if we don't like it hey we're gonna go low for it and like really shit on it no matter the size of the artist because it's like oh it's great you know oh they gave like a really panning review to Jack Harlow okay that he's Jack Harlow he's gonna be fine it's like that doesn't affect it's like oh this is a fun snark read but it's not really going to affect his career at all it's like I kind of wish they would actually just go you know like there's there's like current like indie artists where like I don't like them at all like where it's like i really wish they would just go go just shit on this stuff like way way more but obviously it's different opinions all it's all subjective but you can kind of read between the lines and you know i have enough music writer friends that i talk to where it's just like they could go a lot harder on the stuff if they wanted to but either the powers that be or just sort of the the grind of the music journalism where right now it's like this is probably one of the worst times to be a music journalist in terms of money like where the ad supported websites are falling and like these smaller blogs that popped up in the 2000s are dying out and all that's left is like playlisting in the big sites and those big sites are not paying as much as they used to or like they can only give so much money out to freelancers so sorry sorry for ranting and raving for so long it's just this this is definitely a thought that i've i, I i've had like i i have a lot of thoughts on the 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 sort of the current like critical apparatus of music so I, my my apologies for going long you don't need to apologize uh it makes the editing
0: process a lot easier when there's so few gaps between ideas so i'll like, <laughs> speed the process up i was curious if so you can tell me if you don't want to name names you're you're in the uh... i i don't give a shit
1: I, okay I, cool i i i have pretty i i have safety in my job i don't like i don't write that much anymore so I'm not, like, trying to pitch out the pitchfork super often. At this point, like, I'm pretty happy with, like, my current job and doing the Indians podcast and occasionally doing some writing if something, like, really inspires me to want to go out there and do stuff. But just throw some artists. I got I got opinions. Moses Sumney. Um, definitely Critic Bait. We were talking Critic Bait. Definitely, yeah. like, a Critic Bait artist where I think he's got some really good songs. Like, I think my favorite song of his is actually a song that's, like, barely his it's a james blake remix of make out my car oh yeah which i thought was excellent it's like hey like this is like this is the music that Moses of somebody should be making but instead he's just making kind of very dreary um almost kind of very uh minimalistic slowcore-esque like indie rock where it's like he's got a really great like a great powerful voice but when i listen to him I'm just like i'm not feeling anything from this music like this is whatever emotions he's trying to get out to me, like I, it's not translating super well. Cause it's either, you know, it, either the music is too minimalistic or there's just too much guard, guardedness to, to the writing where I'm just not, I'm not connecting very well. Like, especially the most, like the last record where, Oh God, we want to talk about like weird music industry stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're going to put out a double album, just fucking put out the double album. Just I,
3: put, yes. Just thank you. It all out there.
1: <laughs> Why put it out in two parts? If it's a double album, put it all out there. I think the only exception that I would make to that rule is one of my favorite bands, death grips where they put out their double record, but the two records were so different that like, okay, it makes sense. You put this out separately because these are both like very separate records where it's like, otherwise, like, I guess I get why this is a double album, but like, it doesn't need to be, I, I consider them both separate records. So that's one where it's like, I- I'll make an exception. Cause like they're so different or like, uh, the mo- like the beach house record from this year where they put it out in like five parts and it's just like I I hate long rollouts that's also a music industry thing that I've learned where I really hate like a long rollout where it's just like if you're gonna put out a record don't do the shit where you put out a single and go oh there might be a record coming I don't know like you just have to figure it out and then you know like wait two or three months oh hey here's the actual lead single for the record like if you're gonna put out a record just go go into it like don't put out like a like a teaser single just go into it go into it um but but yeah Moses Sumney. somebody uh like i get it some good stuff here and there i've seen him live he's very good live but like i just don't connect to, to it at all like it's just both a mixture of like not my thing and also a case where i think critics really pushing him to be one of their guys is is going to affect my opinions where i don't like him that much so and also my friend went to college with him and uh did and, and basically he got out of college became friends with Sufjan and kind of got in over his head but I assume like look here's the thing if I was in my early 20s and I became like friends with Sufjan Stevens and got really indebted in the music industry like yeah I'd probably come out like a douchebag too but you know like you you grow up you you, kind of go okay you, you figure stuff out so I don't hold that against him at all it's like yeah I would probably be a douchebag too if I became friends with Sufjan Stevens like right on my early 20s and like got hyped up in the music industry apparatus like it fucks with your head like i've read enough stuff about child actors and stuff like that to know that like hey early fame like fucks you up it C- oh, yeah. can fuck you up pretty bad if you're like not coming from like a good support system or like just the circumstances are, are just not quite right for you to be like more humble yeah about things. i
0: also like just the fact that you mentioned uh stevens and his relationship i thought it was hilarious that he's like take this song that is the sexiest song on my record and can you just cry over it for like two and a <laughs> half minutes <laughs> Yeah, because I'll like, send this to you after.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I know, it's it's the it's a Sufjan version of Make Out My Card because there's an EP of all of like remixes and covers and stuff. Yeah. And obviously the Sufjan cover was the one that blew up from the EP, but it's like it should have been the James Blake one. The James Blake one is so good. And I mm-hmm. love James Blake. I James Blake is one of my favorite artists. I don't like his current material that much. Like his last record was a snoozer, but like self-titled, overgrown, uh, The Color and Anything, those are three like classic records in my opinion. Like three great beautiful records that i love dearly yeah i think uh, well, the last
0: one of his i checked out was the
1: what the one he wrote about jamila jamil
0: jean do you have any thoughts on pitchfork <clears throat> i haven't heard of
2: any of the people you've been talking about <So>. Yeah, it's almost like hearing people speak in a different language, but no, it's great insight, I'm sure. But yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> any, any of these people. <laughs> yeah,
1: tr- trust me. Like, I feel as crazy as you think, as crazy as Like, I feel like when I talk about it, I'm like, I feel like a crazy person when I go on about this stuff. Like, I know I am, but I'm too far into the thought where it's like, I just got to keep going. If I look bad, <laughs> I look bad. It's just whatever. I just got to gotta get this out there. Like, hopefully, there's some brainworm disease people that know what I'm talking about.
2: I'm assuming that your opinion on the sliding scale of uh, Pitchfork's rating, I would agree with because I, I hate this sort of everyone has to fit between six and nine, even if it's garbage.
1: Exactly, a- and
2: that's just not music. That's everything. I mean, whatever. But th- that's mm-hmm. all I have to say about that. <laughs> I don't know any of these. Names. It's,
1: it's it. I will say it's. I I've grown to not like Anthony Fantano as a critic over the years. Um, I just think like my my style of writing and reviewing is definitely just it's Just I, I like I used to be a big Fantano fan like my early writing and reviewing style was definitely, like, based off of him. But as I've kind of, like, figured out my own voice and figured out my own style, I think, like, the way he goes about stuff is not, like... It's like, uh, I, I don't know if I fully agree with with how he approaches things. But one thing I do respect him for is definitely the fact that he uses the full scale. Like, he will give stuff threes and fours and twos and stuff. Like, he... Even on records where you're like, oh, wow, he's actually, like, really going against this record. That's kind of surprising. Um, I think he's definitely getting a little although i think it's definitely getting to him too where i think he's definitely giving stuff like way more positive reviews it's like this doesn't need to get like a like an eight man like come on like you don't need to go this hard for this record like especially some of his more recent tens where you know to be kind totally understand the 10 uh to pimp a butterfly by Kendrick Lamar, totally understand the 10 uh kids see ghost i what 10 for that for that record like okay uh no, but sure, whatever you say. And then you know he gave out two tens last year, where it's just like I get it, but I don't. I don't know if I would go that hard for these records. But but I appreciate that he's willing to go hard for records that like maybe other critics are not going to go as hard for. So y- even if I'm like, huh, I'm like, eh, okay, like that's fine. Like hey, I, I'm I'm glad that someone's going to go hard for like newer artists. Where like hey, you know, because he's definitely like I I would describe him as definitely the most influential music critic working today like he if he likes something it's gonna actually it it can blow up more than it would have like like that spelling record that came out last year I I think it would have gotten some good critical reviews and got some decent buzz but with a 10 it's like it's onto a different level you know so I I do appreciate him going going harder for stuff that like other critics are maybe going to be a bit more mute or like lukewarm about just because you know which I, I think, too, why why I, I've kind of grown out of the music writing apparatus is really just because, like, if I, like, tried to be, like, a Fantano and just review everything, I would get burnt out super quick. Like, I would just not enjoy music. So, when something is really good and new and it comes out, it really means all that much more than, like, okay, like, it's really standing out. So, it, where I don't have to like, go hard or, like, get just get used to something or, you know, like, just feel like a 7 out of 10 or a 6 out of 10 or a 5 out of 10 or everything where it's just like, hey, when something stands out, like, it really stands out for me and I really, like, go hard for it because, you know, either no one else will or just, like, it means a lot to me and I really want to share that with other people and hope that they feel the same way.
0: And the other thing was Drock which I wanted to get your opinion on. For one, I
1: just want to mention a funny anecdote for like, so preparing for this episode, I was listening, you know, listening to the, to to this, you know, this, uh, spoiler the soundtrack that isn't actually a soundtrack. It was supposed to be a soundtrack for something, but is not actually connected to what ended up coming out. Um, the, uh, 2012 dread remake, um, which, I was actually watching some clips of that before the, for this episode, and I was like, I guess my, my first take is that, like, yeah, I get why this was, like, not, con- like, why this ended up, like, not happening, or, like, why the soundtrack was not considered, because it does not match the movie. Like, I think if the movie was, uh, I think the tone, it matches, but in terms of the style and the way the movie looks, it wouldn't match at all. I think this is this is a soundtrack that feels like a very, like, John Carpenter, um, James Cameron type movie, where, like, like I, I re-watched, um both Terminator movies uh in the past month both are fucking excellent movies great movies like especially like T1 and T2 both just like some of the greatest action movies ever made but like I could hear this and I could be like oh this is definitely like this I could hear this in like the first Terminator movie and like it would totally match but looking at clips of like Dread 2012 it's just like yeah this movie just like it looks way too modern for this soundtrack to work like this is very much a throwback soundtrack like very in line with sort of like the Orion '80s action movies of the day, this would not fit a very, like, while while in tone is very inspired by like '70s '80s action movies and like to some extent exploitation flicks, just would not like. But in terms of this, like, it's very modern style. It just it just wouldn't have worked. Um, I think if Alex Garland was directing the movie, I think that like I think then maybe. There was more of an opportunity for it to work, but him only writing the movie, yeah, no, like it's just it, it wasn't gonna match. But I did I did enjoy the soundtrack and my my funny anecdote is that the first time I listened to this, I was playing Fall Guys and uh what a what a whiplash in terms of what this soundtrack makes you feel like and versus Fall Guys. It's like yeah, here's this like very like dark, dystopian soundtrack that's based off of this like very like dreary uh comic book where cops are like the police state is at its logical conclusion of judge jury and executioner but it's also kind of badass as this way versus like hey here's like a bunch. it's like 60 silly little guys going through an obstacle course just bumping into each other and making funny noises um so that that was my experience listening to to drock for the first time was while playing fall guys and being like this doesn't fit, but you know what? I kind of like the dichotomy here of, of just how much this doesn't fit. But I, I, I enjoyed this.
0: I kind of set up what I th- like an opinion of what it was going to be before even listening to it. Like I assumed it played as though I was watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of a dumb assumption, like assumption to make. Like it actually plays like a soundtrack. Like each piece is individual, yeah, and s- sets a tone or space. But they're kind, of, they're also kind of written as like time capsules uh, as well, like or like a museum piece almost. Like mm-hmm. you can walk into a a certain room and have that sort of element play. Like, do, do either of you know? Did they rework the pieces
2: to become sort of independent full pieces when they knew it wasn't going to be? the soundtrack or was this just you know what it was from day one because it sounds like songs more than soundtrack
1: um like, like general like soundtrack music um like i i'd have to go to danny on that on that front because obviously um i th- from my research like uh jeff and ben would go on to do like ba- basically i think they've scored like every alex garland movie since then i think they they scored I think they scored X Machina. They scored the most recent one, Men. Uh, I assume they scored um, Annihilation. So I assume it's like basically sort of like they they kept that relationship. I'm not sure if they like if any pieces from this would end up being incorporated in those soundtracks because I I've not watched I've not listened to those soundtracks. I haven't seen X Machina in a very long time, so I would not have any. Mm-hmm. I would not know for sure if there's anything. But like, it wouldn't surprise me if like pieces from this ended up in like later music from them. But it, it definitely feels like in, in some ways like very self-contained where it's like this, it, it actually like this is, this is one it's like, I, I think maybe once they figured out this wasn't actually going to be like the soundtrack, they kind of just like, Oh, hey, let's actually like make this a proper record and like really make this stand out a little more. And, you know, just, just, just show them what they missed, you know, what, what they missed by not using our music for this movie.
0: It's still not entirely clear, but I got the impression uh, while they were working on it, the film went in another direction yeah um and then they decided to continue it as like a tribute to the to the material yeah barrow has been gracious about it because he loves dread so much and I, I, th- I believe he had seen an early cut or he had seen production he was just you know confident they were going to make something that that worked that he was something that still was very excited that he for. was still very excited um for. but like so what you were saying maddie i actually picked up on the, the most song-like track on there is one, the one called Inhale. It's like the lengthiest me, one.
1: I want to say, I, 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 I had to make sure to make a note. Like, okay, like I screenshotted one of the songs as I was listening. To, but like, okay, I need to make sure I mention this. And it was Inhale. Yeah, that's the one where it's like, mm-hmm. you definitely hear, obviously, Beryl being a member of Head, that's the one where I'm like, oh, there's like, I can hear a little bit of Head in this one. Like, hey, this one kind of kind of throws it back a little bit to, to, to Head. And I was like, mm, interesting.
0: Before I, I go on, do, you, do either of you know Beak? Jeff Burrow's other band?
1: Um vague. I I have I've heard of it. I think I listened to a project like back in like 2016, 2017, but other than that, no, no mm-hmm. idea.
0: Beak um actually kind of follows that that vibe. It's you know like frequently described as like Kraut Rock Psychedelia. Mm. Um there's some elements of of ambience in there, like choral arrangements in the uh in their first 2009 release. But their second record came out a month and a half to two months after Drock. And in sounds, yeah, it just has, you know, the beat, the way the, the synths rise through this, through the song, um, and the way it carries and stops suddenly at the end. Like there's the resolution just completely cut off. Mm. And two months later, Beak Two came out a bit more of a rock vibe than Drock, but definitely had elements of that piece. Uh, and their first album definitely felt quite a bit more in line with, with that song, like the, their 2009 self-title record. Taking it back to pitchfork, uh Drock was their 6.3. They did a lot of the comparison, you know. Like I, I get why why music journalists compare acts to other acts. It's really helpful to not only for themselves, but the listener. Yeah. Okay, I can expect something along these lines with mm. it. And or I I am more likely to enjoy this if this is accurate. Um, they 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 called out Cameron, uh Carpenter, uh, specifically the uh Escape from New York soundtrack, the reviews for the for Drock or the review for Beak, they it, they didn't reference each other. The, the fact that Beaks one came out a couple months, like two months later, they went through a list of like Burroughs' you know, pretty prolific career. Whether it's Portishead, they had thirteen years between albums. They've since broken that record. Uh, they they highlighted the some of the scores that he worked on. They highlighted the forty one track hip hop album that he produced. But they didn't bring Drock into the mix, and that kind of surprised me because of the the most immediate sonic similarities between them, like even more so than Third,
1: which I I could understand to some extent. It's definitely like a much more it's uh, up until I was, I think now maybe a little less low key at the time, just because mm-hmm. they've gone on obviously to score a number of movies. Um, but I could definitely see why at the time it was it was like oh here's this like random soundtrack side project that didn't really work out like okay like. That would obviously go on and be like, oh, this actually up being like a pretty important footnote in his career, um, you know, later, later down the line. Now that he's, you know, is a relatively well-known, you know, film composer at this point. It's definitely interesting to see the number of like number of like well-known musicians who have kind of gone down that path or are kind of in the process of going down that path. Um, like I'll not Obviously, Daniel Wilpertin has done some really great score work for the Safety brothers uh, for Uncut Gems and Good Time surprised he hasn't done more stuff to be honest i think tim hecker finally did a soundtrack for somebody and i think there's definitely some musicians where like they're just that's just kind of what they do now is like oh i just like i wasn't aiming an guy but now i'm like mostly doing soundtracks these days um and i think kind of jeff uh, he's not totally down that line but i think it's like a solid mix of like hey half soundtrack stuff half like here's like random side project or like solo project and like other stuff going on Jane, did you have any uh, any additional thoughts on rock
2: No, I, I did have a fun fact about dread though. Mm, let's hear it. Justin Bieber makes his way in there.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: when? So, uh, I'll, I'll I'll let I'll let you I'll let you uh, go for it. Have you me. seen the movie, Danny? I have. It's been a couple of months, but
2: you know, paint a picture for me. Okay, I, I haven't seen it in years, so I, I can't really remember. But remember the drug, the slow mo. Yeah. The sound effect of when they take the slow mo is a Justin Bieber track slowed down to like one 800th speed. Did they say which one? No, I, and that wouldn't have helped me anyways. But I'm I'm hoping it's the first one, the one with the lots of babies in it. But
1: I don't know. <laughs> see, let me see. Justin mm-hmm. Bieber slowed down eight hundred. Um, <laughs> oh, it's it's a you smile. It's you smile. That's the one I think they I'm using. That they they slow down um to, to a bunch and also a fun fact about the movie i want to say i believe if i remember correctly uh gavin free one of the slow-mo guys also worked on that movie because he was like at the time one of the only people that like knew how to operate a phantom camera to do those slow-mo shots
3: <sighs>
1: this is gonna sound like a slight uh, against the filmmakers and i think it's just, it's just a budgetary thing i would assume the production value is not that great like the clips i watch i'm like this movie like just doesn't look like that good <laughs> like i'm not sure if it's just a case of still being like kind of one of the first i mean at that point digital cinematography was like pretty you know like it, it was a go-to for a lot of filmmakers at that point but i'm like man like i think if they, if they like shot this more if they shot this more like a, like a terminator or a robocop like This would have been really good, but it feels very modern in a way where, which I think for for some of the special effects, like it made sense to go more modern in terms of style, like some of the slow-mo stuff. It's got to be like, it's got to feel kind of down and dirty and digital. So it's understandable. So it's this weird case where it's like, here's like, I would love to to watch a like recut version of the film that uses the score. Like I would love to, because again, I would love to eat my words, but in terms of just what I heard and like what I've seen, it's like, uh, I, yeah, I get why this was like, kind of shut down in, in terms of something that felt a bit more modern.
0: There's there is an interesting point of like artifice and how it ties into the digital use of say a blood spatter as opposed to
1: squibs. Uh uh God don't again, I, don't... Uh, again I, I, I i I will let Matt Christmas of Chapo Trap House go full on the squibs, but I'm I am pro squibs. Like oh yeah. I I, I I get why people use the digital blood spatters. It is cheaper, it's less messy. But man, there's there's nothing quite as good in a movie like a good squib shot, like a dude getting shot up and just squibs flying off of him. Like I watched RoboCop for the first time in the past year, the scene where the fucking robot uh, thing obliterates that guy and just fucking squibs are going off like crazy. God, it's, it's it's such a rush. It, it's it's such a rush. You can't you can't digital blood splatters. They're they're getting better, but you can't like it's it's never gonna feel as good as a, as a, as a good squib.
0: Well, the interesting point where they used it that it wasn't intentional you know it's it's exactly what you're saying it's vfx folks generally aren't unionized from what i understand yeah. i imagine. but there's a shot where um the villain i want to say uh lena, Head, lena Headley. lena Uh lena Headley. yes she's uh she's got a minigun and she's trying to like just wipe out an entire floor in order to get the dread and his partner and there's like this shot of a family trying to hide behind you know Fruitlessly behind a, a chair that's knocked over a table, and you just see the, the dad get obliterated and digital blood splatter, and none of this matters. Pieces of meat just get thrown around. Yeah, um, uh, the dehumanizing elements of the way that the world well yeah, works that unintentionally well. Um, the other thing that I thought I think might tie into what you were saying is the costume design is def- definitely follows modern um conventions, like it's very muted. Mm-hmm. Dread doesn't have those giant shoulder pieces. That despite him being muscular, and the comics make him look incredibly skinny. Like the symbol is so powerful; no one else can oppose it. Mm-hmm. I assume that was kind of going through the visuals that Jeff was working on. I don't imagine he necessarily had a working cut to go off of.
1: Yeah, I, I assume he's just like yeah. just basing off the comic books, pretty much. And like the, yeah. I, I assume uh, the script that Alex Garland had written, written like, okay, here's the script, here's the comics. Okay, this is what I'm getting. So, but I, I assume just through production, like. Again, like again, a a director can really change how a thing, how you know. Just again, a director is very important. Like they can really, like completely change the feel of a script. And for better or for worse, there's definitely movies where like has an iffy script, but like just through the direction, like really makes it stand out. And I and I think this is a case where it's like, yeah, the the movie is probably like as it stands, it's probably different from you know the script that Oxgarn had written. But still, like it's a good movie. Like I I enjoyed it. It's definitely you know gotten a, a strong cult following over the years um and where people were really begging for a sequel for a long time but it's like yeah you're not gonna it's it didn't make a lot of money like it's not gonna happen like it's like it's fine if you guys want a sequel uh, read the comics i guess
0: the only last thing i'm gonna say about draw is i was finishing it up i had on like a little speaker today (laughs) while my uh my dog was asleep um it's very yeah it was surprising that this you know five month puppy could sleep through this entire album
1: yeah no there's definitely some stuff where it's like i don't yeah this is it, it, it definitely pop some of the like, arpeggiated sense stuff like really like stands out like damn like this is this is very brutal and, and oppressive music of time never like too noisy or whatever but it's always like okay no pun intended sense of dread that's heard throughout this entire like soundtrack
0: i think the funniest part for me about this though was the final song was playing like the helmet theme reprise and an ambulance drove by like at full simultaneously in volume and that's when my dog woke up and scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> we only picked on Moses Sumney
1: right we only picked on Moses Sumney again I could, I could go again give, give me a peanut gallery I'll go off <laughs> big thief um for the longest time and I think I, I I've not listened to the new record yet and I think i think the reason why i'm i I have not listened to the record yet for one it's like fucking 90 minutes long like i oh hey here's this band i famously don't like that much aside from like maybe a song or two per record who i think is like extremely fucking boring and makes music that i'm not interested at all like oh i want to hear a 90 minute album from them fuck that but I've listened to simulation storm off that record. I'm like, Ooh, this is really good. Like this is the best song they put out. So I think one day I will actually listen to it probably at some point before the year ends. But, uh, prior to this new recent record, which again, I cannot say anything on everything I've heard before then. It's like, they have continually made very boring music. They will always do one or two songs where it's like, wow, this is like really propulsive and exciting and really, uh, incredible, you know, on, uh, on the first record masterpiece the title track great song like really wonderful like indie rock song with some incredible um uh not off of their 2020 record or 2019 record two hands that's a great song like wow like why are they doing more of this uh but it's just like very boring folk rock like i folk rock in general is, is a genre that like you gotta really do something special for me to like be into it um like I, I i could probably list the number of folk rock bands that i like yeah. on like one hand probably it's just it's not my bag it's a genre that like could be that is very easy to be boring for me but i've heard the new record is definitely like there is is like a really it's a, it for people who are like hey you might have been a hater or you might have been all the way in the big thief train before it seems like this new record could be, could be the one to kind of like pull you in but again that that the, the track the album length which is uh let me let me see 20 like God, twenty twenty songs, uh, one hour twenty minutes. That's just that's just oppressive, man. That's oppressive. Rarely, if ever, should albums be that long. Like, I my favorite one of my favorite bands is Joyce Manor. Like, get get in, and get out. Like that. That's my philosophy. Like, if you make a long album, it's it's, it's God. I just I, I there's long albums I like that justify their length, but it's very few. But if it's, if it's a band I already don't like, it's like okay, come like out, I, and just take a it, ninety take minute long album that's gonna it, be the one to pull me in. in. So, like, come on, like now. Now. now I, I have w- I have one more to shit
0: on, okay, or enjoy if you like, okay. you know, whether it's whether it's <laughs> critic hype or whatever. But I want to throw it to Gene because I know Gene, you hate most music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have a band or an artist from any point in time to throw in here.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, fuck. Put me on the spot. Um <laughs> oh,
2: shit. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. I fuck I like I don't even have like physical media anymore, so I can't look at like a CD rack. Um that shit doesn't exist anymore. Um oh fucking hell. It's uh, like the Billy
1: uh, in the street thing. Name a woman. Any any name a band. Any band. For one dollar. Name a band. <laughs>
2: All right, how about how, how about the uh, since we're doing a soundtrack thing now? What about the storytelling soundtrack from Bell and Sebastian? Oh
1: God! Um, well, Bell and Sebastian—that's a band I never got into. I—I've over the years I've just kind of realized I really fucking hate twee <laughs> like twee music. Fucking, I hate it so much. Like it's just like total fucking trash, garbage. Like. <laughs> the new black, the new Bla- well, I, I have not much to say about Sebastian, but like that's just not for me. But the new Black Country New Road record, where they fully go in on twee shit, oh god, that 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 is the most overhyped record of twenty twenty two by far this year. Like, and this is a band that I liked a lot previously. Like, I, I liked their first mm-hmm. record quite a bit. I really love their early singles. This new Black Country record is so fucking bad, and I do not get the critical acclaim and the fan hype for this one at all. Like, it is it's a brutal fucking record like hey here's here here are the most garbage lyrics you've ever heard like from the most mentally ill british british 20 year old white 20 year old you ever heard mixed in with like hey here are these like really talented musicians and players that on the previous record have done some really interesting stuff hey how will you make them just make the most boring trite indie like post-rock twee indie rock shit <laughs> terrible garbage i i'm so fucking glad that he quit the band like i'm like he was so god like my my head can is that like, he was so goddamn embarrassed about what he said on this record he's like yeah no i'm gonna quit like i, I have know. to quit music after this but the this, new record is terrible I, this it's is embarrassing like, why did i put this out like, it, it is i hate it so much and it's one of those things where like the more that people praise it the more the hatred comes in where it's just like if it's if it's a record if, if a record is not very good and you know i don't hear a whole lot about it it's like move on with my life whatever but when so many people that like i know and respect and what i'm just bombarded with where it's just like man like what the fuck is wrong with you guys like you all need to see a fucking therapist if you like this record like you all need to get some mental health if you're like if you really relate to this record like you're gonna you're, you're gonna praise a song that talks about like masturbating to charlie xcx like oh god get out of here man very hot woman but it's pathetic okay that's that's my spiel balance sebastian uh, i don't like twee stuff but uh twee in general i just do not i i do not like twee i think it's i think it's a it's a shitty dumb genre that has not produced a lot of good music and i think is uh intellectually dishonest at its core gene you picked a real good one there (laughs) (laughs)
0: last one uh and this is one that i've you know I, I i do have like an affection for but has also gotten quite annoying especially as they're involved with the twins band, involved with this the national the national
1: oh uh i've always said um previously which is more like you know like uh like late 2010s i've always said that like i have never drank enough alcohol to enjoy the national like i've just not drank enough alcohol in my life or like i can really relate to the national at this point, in my life though, I, I, I've drink a lot of alcohol in my life. At this point, my, at this point in time, in my life, I feel like if I went back to the national, I would kind of, uh, I'd be more into it. So, uh, again, some really great songs. Uh, "Mistaken for Strangers" is just like an incredible fucking song. Uh, "Fireproof" is a great song, um, but I think like, I, like I know my national phase is coming. Like it's gonna hit me at some point where I'm like, damn, I should get really into the national. It's not hit me just yet. But I'm definitely getting closer. So I, I, have, I have mostly positive things, like very neutral, positive things to say about the National. So like no hatred to them. Uh, like again, I, we, it's funny. You we, we, we mentioned the like twins being the band, because I think like an accidental uh, motif that we kind of went through when we did like our series on like, um, like mm-hmm. all rock number ones, with, like the 2000s, 2010s, a lot of brother bands, a lot of fa- like random family bands where it's like, oh, hey, there's like two brothers in this band. Oh, there's like oh, it's it's like Kings of Leon is a band that's just made up of like brothers (laughs) and cousins. It's like hey, it's like three brothers and their cousin. It's
0: such a better band name uh, than
1: Kings of Leon. I would really uh, again uh, three brothers and again (laughs) free band name free. If you're looking for a band name, free band idea. If you're an an all girl band, just call yourself a brother band. Just call yourself brother band. Great like just call yourself brother band and have it be that it's like hey four girls brother band it's gonna get you guys so many clicks so much attention uh and a lot of mean comments on indie heads but hey any publicity is good publicity so hey free idea take it off my hands all i ask is that if you need a manager i can try to be your manager that's it otherwise free band name go for it although it wouldn't surprise me that band name like already exists uh, but if you if you are like four actual brothers, or if you're just like four dudes, and you're like we're gonna call ourselves brother band. No, uh-uh, don't do that. Or if it's like oh we're four guys, we're gonna call ourselves sister band. No, uh-uh, can't do that either. That's bad. If it's if it's if it's four if it's four women doing a brother band, great. Other way around, uh, uh-uh, doesn't work. Not not as funny. So that 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 that's that's my music industry advice of the day. Uh, for more tips and tricks on the music industry uh pay me five hundred dollars on venmo and uh that free advice will come your way after five hundred dollars is in my bank account i'll accept wire transfer cash app paypal literally just i'll give my address out you can just mail me the money uh whatever works so uh this advice this advice is free anything else after that ain't free that's it you gotta you gotta you gotta pay a premium for that
0: you should set up a tier on your Patreon.
1: We ha- we have a venture capitalist tier for like ten thousand as a joke, but it's like maybe I should like lower that. Maybe someone will actually be crazy <laughs> enough to do it. We got like we got to have a rich listener out there that's willing to give us a bunch of money, but not that much. So in we 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 the indie music scene is popping off. But uh, if you want to hear uh, podcasts about uh, the music of Rob Zombie, rockabilly, two uh, thousands political pop punk. Hitchfork best new tracks of the 2010s uh butt rock uh 90s alternative hey this is a this is a great investment and uh sharks I, let me hear what you think
0: <laughs> i actually served uh mr wonderful oh no like, i bartended for him once he was he was wasted Ooh. he was with another guy that might my- Bar mate was serving, but I just turned to him. I was like, I didn't recognize him at first because his, his he looks like shit off camera. <laughs> like Hey, can I get you anything? And he just starts gesticulating to me. It just keeps going like this, like me, me, <laughs> yeah. Hey. And I was like, it's an open bar. Like I'm not asking for money. And he goes, me. <laughs> So I just walked away from him, and then my buddy was like, "Yeah, that's that's Kevin O'Leary."
1: You should have given him something that would have just like blacked him out. I think like just just do 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 a do a solid against rich people, and just like just <laughs> just uh, give him like a whiskey and coke, but it's like ninety percent whiskey. Let him embarrass himself uh, at the bar. Hopefully, some someone films it, gets him fired from Shark Tank, and uh, no more Mr. Wonderful. It's a TV show for dads. Dads and uncles, uh and as neither a dad or an uncle, you know, it's just it's it's not for me. But as, as soon as like one of my sisters like has a kid, I'm gonna get into Shark Tank and be like, you're like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Like, what? You're you're asking for twenty percent equity for two hundred thousand dollars. That's way too much. You should be going. <laughs> it's way too low. You should be going for forty percent. You get a deal. Oh my god, I can't. I can't wait to get to that point in my life. You can't. Again, I'm not there yet. Before you
0: get through that, you have to reach that phase where you're like, oh, maybe I could be in the middle class and still be sad. And then you'll go through your national phase. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: and that. Absolutely. There we go. Yeah it's 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 coming i i feel it i feel it like it's gonna it's i, I again i'm ready whenever it's just uh I, I just if i'm gonna have that phase i want it to be honest mm-hmm. you know like it's gotta come from a, a place of reality and not just being like ooh, i can see myself being an uncle or a dad it's like no it's gotta happen uh i don't want to be a dad I, I, I would rather again i i can't wait to possess uncle magic one day like i'm I, again it's it's in me it's just waiting to come out that uncle magic we all know and love that's, that's going to be your final line for the episode. Uh, <laughs> Matt,
0: this was awesome. Thanks for coming on. Of and course. Where can people find you?
1: Um, you can find uh, Indie Heads Podcast on pretty much any uh, podcasting platform you can think of. Um, again, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Indie Podcast. We have a really fun Discord server. If you sign on for any tier, uh, there's a lot of fun discussions going on there. Uh, again anything from bar rescue talk to uh, the big bopper to new music to electronic music uh, a lot of fun stuff happening there uh, but again indie's podcast um, and yeah I mean, that's, that's really the only plug I have is just hey check out my podcast if you, <laughs> if, you if you want if you want a discussion on sort of the uh, the weird guys in music that's kind of become our niche in recent years where we kind of just went from like a new indie music discussion podcast just like hey here's a new guy check him out yeah, that that, that 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 is it for my for my plugs. And, and I guess the indie head subreddit, uh, mm-hmm. which I which I moderate, and, you know, set up AMAs for it's it's a, a very fun, uh, music community. And the reason the reason why I'm into indie music as it is, like I would not be as in in my bag about this stuff if not for like the the great community on on the subreddit and then later on the podcast, so, yeah. All right, cool.
3: Uh, all right.